The Bible is a fascinating book. I hope that you have read it. If you never have done so, I hope that you will at least once go through it from cover to cover. It has the power to radically transform your life. I'm absolutely convinced of that. Of course, you may find that assertion to be fantastic. And it, it really would be fantastic if it were not proven true a thousand times, a thousand times over. But as I said, the Bible is a fascinating book, a book of books in which on nearly every page are thoughts, ideas, principles, symbols, stories, and concepts that are thought-provoking and potentially life-altering. I have given much of the last 25 years of my life to reading and deeply studying the Bible. And I think of no other book it could be said. I've studied this book for 25 years and I feel I've only begun to scratch the surface. Truly, if you were to study any other text, any other book for 25 years and not really be an expert in it, then you would probably be thought to be lacking in intelligence. And that's not true with the Bible. Thousands upon thousands of scholars have dedicated themselves to the study of the scriptures for the last 2,000 years, and it still grips the minds of thousands of scholars at this very moment, in this time, in this day, on virtually every continent. It is not an ordinary text. It is truly what we would call extraordinary. There is no other book more thoroughly studied nor more misunderstood. Now, that might seem to be something of a strange statement, even a crazy statement. How can the Bible be more thoroughly studied than any other book, which it clearly is, but also be so phenomenally misunderstood? Because though this book has been deeply studied, and it has, it has also been incredibly misquoted and misrepresented so that it is massively misunderstood by by many different people. And a lot of those people have never actually taken the time to read it, which is why I hope that you will take the time to read it cover to cover, and which is why I spend so much time, whether it's through these videos or through my teaching work at Bible colleges or my preaching work at a church or at conferences, why I've spent so much time teaching through it. Now, all of that to get to just four striking words. In Matthew's gospel, in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 27, verse 3 says, then Judas was remorseful. Those words would be almost funny if it weren't for the context. If you're not familiar with the story, then you might wonder what the context is. But the name Judas may be familiar to you because it has been forever immortalized because of his actions in this very passage. But the backstory behind his remorse may not be entirely familiar to you. So let me lay the foundation for you for why these words are so Striking. Judas was one of Jesus' disciples, one of his nearest followers, so much so that he became one of Jesus' Jesus's apostles. An apostle is one who is sent. So 
those that were nearest to Jesus, that became his 12 apostles, they were the ones that he sent out after he had spent a lot of time with them and taught them. He sent them out to spread his message during his ministry. But something happened in Judas. Or maybe we could say that something never happened in him. Something never changed in him. And at one point, his heart was momentarily exposed. In a moment when he he basically feigned righteousness. Jesus was anointed with a very costly oil by a woman who came to him. And this oil could have been sold for a lot of money. And the disciples, actually Judas, was the one who spoke up and said, this could have been sold for 300 denarii, a, a year's wages, basically. And that money could have been given to the poor. But he didn't say this because he was really concerned for this apparent waste of money, but because he was a thief and he was the one who had the care of the money bag. And then in very short order, after that event, the scriptures tell us in the gospels that Judas went to the religious leaders, the ones who were plotting to try to take Jesus by trickery, to catch him and to kill him. Judas, a close follower, a friend, a apostle, an apostle of Jesus, he went to the religious leaders, to the chief priests, the scribes, and the Pharisees, and he agreed with them to receive money, 30 pieces of silver, that he might betray Jesus. What on earth brought that about? One of his closest followers, a friend, trusted enough to be the one to carry Jesus's wallet, if you will. The Gospel of Luke gives us an interesting thought in an answer to that question, what on earth could possibly have happened? The Gospel of Luke said that then Satan entered into Judas. Satan entered into the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. Now you can take that literally. Many do, and and I do, but you may not believe in Satan. So maybe you can just accept that from time to time, very evil, wicked, and devilish ideas enter into our hearts. Every single one of us have had that happen. And an aberrant or even an abhorrent thought arises in your mind and you find yourself somewhat startled by the thought and you even wonder like, where on earth did that come from? Judas had the inception of a devilish idea in his mind and he he entertained it. And that mind virus replicated until it totally possessed him. I know that there are people that question the existence of evil. I don't understand their questions, really. It is clear that there are wicked and evil things that happen in the world, malevolent and horrible things. And where do those things come from? Well, Jesus taught in the Gospels that evil actions, murders, thefts, deceit, lewdness, they arise from thoughts that begin in the heart. Evil thoughts, words, and actions begin in the heart. He says it like this in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 7, we read this. Jesus taught, What comes out of a man is that which defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, and fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lawlessness, or lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, all of these things, these evil things come from within, and they are the things that defile 
a man. So, a devilish, satanic thought. It it entered the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. And that's exactly what Judas did. He betrayed Jesus with, of all things, a kiss. That's where that idea in our culture comes from, to be betrayed with a kiss from the scriptures in the Gospels. And in that moment, he betrayed or he revealed his true nature. He wasn't a friend. Proverbs 27 in the Old Testament, it says, the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. But then Matthew 27, 3, after all of this was done, after Judas had betrayed Jesus with a kiss, it says, then Judas was remorseful. And he tried to return the 30 pieces of silver that he'd received for betraying Jesus. He was very sorry for what he had done after the fact. He regretted it at that point. Many of my friends know that I'm a fan of author and clinical psychologist Jordan Peterson. Peterson is the author of a massive bestseller called 12 Rules for Life. The follow-up for 12 Rules is going to be released next month, but both books are based upon an answer that Jordan Peterson had posted to a question that was posted on Quora several years ago. The question was, what are the most valuable things that everyone should know? And his first four answers to those questions that he posted on Quora, there were 42 in all, and ultimately his two books have come from that. But his first four questions or answers to that question were, one, tell the truth, do not do things that you hate, Act so that you can tell the truth about how you act and pursue what is meaningful instead of what is expedient. Those are some valuable things to know, and they probably could have helped Judas. And here's one that will help you, not from Jordan Peterson, but one that I think arises from this concept that we have in Matthew 27. Don't entertain devilish ideas or thoughts because they might possess you. Something to think about. We'll see you next time.